Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's special edition, we show a interview clip with Dr. Sachin Jain, who was part of the first session of our first live event called Pop Health Podcast, All-Stars, Innovate, Integrate, and Motivate. We hope you enjoy the conversation with Dr. Sachin Jain, where he talks about SCANS expansion, their entry into serving the homeless population, and much more. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Good morning, Sachin. Good morning, Gavin. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to have you back. Um, you are one of our most downloaded and viewed episodes in our six-year history. Not, I don't think I've communicated that with you. So that's why you're part of today's all-star event. And so- um, Clearly the Jerry Seinfeld episode didn't get enough uh, downloads. I mean, I think we need to kind of promote that episode a little bit more. You know, good, good call. I'll have to find out when we did that one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, folks, Suchin is the CEO of Scan Health Plan, and he's had some pretty prominent roles in the past as well. Um, and today we're to learn about how he's helping advance Scan, not just in California, but in other states as well. Uh, Suchin, before we get started, we'd like to get to know you a little bit. So I heard you uh, when you introduce yourself to people, uh, you like sometimes we pronounce your name incorrectly. How do you like to, uh, when you tell people how to pronounce your name, what's the saying that you like to say? Well, when I was a kid, people used to, you know, say, call me such an idiot. Uh, and I always said that was a, a good way to get my pronunciation right. You know, that was kind of mean. Uh, so these days I say such an amazing guy. And uh, hopefully that's it. Usually when I, you know, kind of introduce myself that way, people end up going with the other one, not the not the preferred second version. But I will I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. Nice. I heard uh, Jill Selby mentioned it the other day when I was chatting with her. Uh, such a nice guy. I guess you can be nice sometimes as well. So so that's a good one. So uh, a little bit about you. I know I heard the other day you play some tennis, but let's talk about uh, your favorite podcast. What's your what's a podcast you listen to and you like? You know, I, I love the Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, it's, you know, kind of been um, one that uh, that, I've, I've, that I've listened to for a long time. Um, you know, uh, I try other ones, you know, from time to time, but the one that's kind of always on my playlist is the Tim Ferriss podcast. And can you remind me in the audience uh, or who may not be familiar, what is that show all about? You know, it's really kind of an amazing, you know, Tim Ferriss is one of these kind of life optimizing gurus. And so he's always kind of interviewing prominent and interesting people, um, some that you've heard of, some that you haven't heard of about, um, you know, kind of how they kind of maximize their performance or impact. And, um, you know, I always come away with um, some great uh, tips and tricks from that. I think the, um, my favorite episode is actually the, um, you know, how to say no uh, episode, because I think many of us struggle with actually saying no to things um, when offered opportunities or, you know, people have, you know, have demands on our time. And, um, you know, I picked up some, I think, very useful suggestions from that episode. Awesome. I've heard uh, I've heard Tim Ferriss show a couple times, and like you mentioned, uh, the guests I heard I had heard of before. So let's give a quick overview. I think most folks today that are uh, watching or listening are familiar with Scan, um, and but Scan's not just a, a health plan. So maybe in like a thirty second elevator speech, could you share who the Scan Group is and, and Scan Health Plan? 
Absolutely. So SCAN was founded in 1977 by a group of racially, uh, ethnically, and gender diverse community advocates who wanted to um, find new ways to keep seniors healthy and independent. And um, you know how SCAN has kept seniors healthy and independent has changed over its you know almost 44 year history now. Um, but I would say that we're in many ways um, you know kind of very much you know committed to the initial mission of keeping seniors healthy and independent. Uh, today in the same way that I think our founders were in 1977. Um, I think we're best known at this point for being a Medicare Advantage plan, but um, in the 80s and 90s, we were well known as the longest running and most successful social HMO demonstration project run out of HICFA, or, you know, which is the predecessor organization of CMS. And, um, you know, we, we made social determinants of health cool before it was a term that people threw around. And, you um, very much embedded in the fabric of, of our organization. Uh, you know, last year when the board, you know, recruited me to join the team, the question that they asked me was, you know, you know, Medicare Advantage is one way to keep seniors healthy and independent, but by no means, you know, the only way. And um, they asked me to articulate a strategy, which, you know, I'll share with you here. Um, one is to just grow our core health plan. We've been, you know, four and a half stars, uh, you know, five of the last five years, you know, it's kind of an unprecedented feat really in our industry. Uh, and so we are, um, you know, I think really committed to taking a, a good thing to new places uh, through new products and through new geography. So, um, you know, we were historically a California only entity. We're going to be, we're in Arizona and Nevada as far as, as of this AEP and um, we'll be announced announcing additional States um, before long. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we're doing on the health plan side. Yeah. Uh, what we're doing, but then we're diversifying. We're finding new ways to actually achieve our mission. Um, you know, we're launching uh, new medical groups. Um, you know, we're looking at uh, ent- operation opportunities like PACE and uh, some other ways to you know support seniors uh, in being healthy and independent. And so that's kind of a, a second area of focus for us is diversification. So finding other ways to achieve our mission, and then. Um, the third area is is really around you know cultural transformation and um, you know we have an incredible culture but I think one of the opportunities we have is to grow to better serve um, diverse communities and so we are um, you know I, I think at the forefront of trying to see you know reducing disparities improving health equity um, through action instead of talk and that yeah. is um, you know something that's really important to us and. You know, organizations like SCAN are, are kind of, you know, um, small enough to kind of transform, but, but big enough to actually matter. And I, what I love about, you know, the opportunity that we have in front of us is to actually show people the art of the possible. And, you know, imitation is one of the biggest forms of flattery. So we want to do it first and then everyone else can copy us. That's, that's kind of how we think about ourselves as innovators in the, in the um, you know, aging adult space. Yeah, and I know what you mean about not everyone wanting to be a trailblazer because that's hard work and there's a lot of failure with that, right? And it, it may be loss with that. So uh, good call. Um, we'll get to some of that here in just a moment. So one thing you mentioned is like people like maybe, maybe talk the talk. Uh, in Boston, I heard you at the health conference recently. Um, you doing okay? I know uh, since then, by the way. Yeah, you know, so for the listening audience, um, you know, what Gavin's referring to is I was crossing the street and um, I was on a walk sign. I was not jaywalking. Uh, and uh, I was actually hit by an oncoming car uh, that oh, turned wow. left into me and, you know, cracked my tibial plateau. Um, and I've, you know, I had a concussion, 
you should see the Prius. Uh, I cracked the windshield of the of the Prius uh, when I when I hit it. Um, so it's been a it's been a journey. I've learned a lot about uh, you know our healthcare system, how it works, um, and how it doesn't work. Uh, you know, mostly just been super appreciative and and um, grateful for the incredible you know com- compassion and care that I've received from doctors, physical therapists, you know, uh, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, all of whom I think have um, really helped support my recovery. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. I didn't know the how. Um, and so I appreciate you sharing with our audience. So one thing in Boston you mentioned is the phrase lip service culture, right? And you're a leader, you do a lot of public speaking and you, you have to say the right things, uh, but following through with action is difficult. So one thing you mentioned at the health conference, a so quick shout out for health in Boston, um, great conference is that your executive bonuses or leadership bonuses are actually tied in to results with certain populations improving with, I believe it was medication adherence. Can you talk briefly about that and how your team responded um, to you putting, you know, uh, yeah, just putting that out there? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a great question. I think one, one of the things that, you know, I've observed being in this industry now for almost two decades, just kind of, um, painful to say out loud, uh, is that, you know, there's a lot of talk, um, you know, people have been studying and admiring the problem of healthcare disparities in our country for a really long time. I think the the real issue is, is that very few organizations have actually stepped up to do anything about it. And, you know, the first step is actually documenting the problem. And the reality is we've been documenting this problem for a long time. And, um, when we looked at our data, we saw that there was a pretty significant gap, um, between, um, our Caucasian members and our African American members and our Latinx members on you know kind of key medication adherence uh, measures. And so what we did as a leadership team is we said, enough is enough. We're going to stop talking about this. We're going to stop admiring this. We're going to actually tie a um, you know a t- tie our performance and tie our incentive pay to whether or not we achieve this goal. And you know remarkably, um, when you actually put your money where your mouth is, things start to move. And I would say for the first six to seven months of the year, we didn't have much progress. And then we um, kind of raised the heat around this as a topic and as a company you know, goal. And miraculously, um, we are seeing some real progress and you know, we are coming closer to parity uh, you know, when it comes to you know, medication adherence between our African-American members and our um, uh, Latinx members and our Caucasian members. And you know, I think Closing health disparities is kind of treated like this kind of, you know, boil the ocean problem. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We have to manage social determinants of health. You know, I think about the adage, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, eat an elephant one one bite at a time. And medication adherence is one small kind of measure. It's not solving the problem. You know, we're not changing health equity dramatically, but it is it is something that health plans measure. It's something that we are rated on. And, and, you know, if we can do a better job for our minority patients, we're doing a better job. It improves our star ratings. Um, so yeah, that is, that is a big part of kind of what we're about right now at scan. And I'll tell you something, uh, Gavin, we're not uniformly popular for it. I mean, we've had some employees leave and part of their, you know, kind of response to is, well, we don't, I'm not really sure all this stuff matters to me as much as, you know, it it now matters to the company. Um, I got a letter from a prospective member the other day, um, essentially saying, you know, they were uh, unhappy that our advertising didn't feature, you know, one particular advertisement that was sent in the mail didn't feature a white male, um, accusing us of being a woke uh, company um, uh, in, in a 
pejorative sense. And, you know, I'll say we have a lot of healing to do as a country and as a society. Um, but scan has to do its own little part. I think every large healthcare organizations country, medium sized healthcare organizations country should make it a, a priority to actually address these issues. Yeah. So I love the candor, man. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks are, are not going to share what you share. And that's one of the reasons, you know, selfishly, I uh, worked with your team to bring you on is I knew I could get candor. And even mentioning the word woke, you know, on this show is uh, something not a lot of folks would, would touch. I appreciate that. And that is, that is tough. Uh, we're not going to, I have a lot of other questions on that, but for purposes of this show uh, and our time together, uh, we'll save that. So one thing you shared as well that I recently heard from you is there's the common phrase, everyone should be treated the same, right? We should all be treated equally and the same. So you said, no, we should not treat everybody the same. Uh, explain what you mean by that. Look, I think we're in a revolution in the American healthcare where we're taking, we're finally taking a customer segmentation approach to actually addressing the needs of specific populations, recognizing that different populations of patients have different needs. And, um, you know, that fundamentally requires different delivery models. And that fundamentally means that we need to treat different people differently. You know, let's just take, for example, you know, the ex, the kind of core unchallenged expectation that all patients should come to a doctor's office for a medical appointment. Now think about some of the patients you take care of, Gavin, some of the people we take care of at SCAN who are homebound, who have mobility challenges, who have transportation challenges. And what's not to say that the clinical care delivery system shouldn't meet those patients in their homes. Um, And so, you know, um, that doesn't mean that every patient should get home visits from their doctors. You know, it's, 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 you know, adds some measure of inefficiency if every patient is cared for at home. But it does mean that some patients should be in a home-based care model. And that's a big, you know, that's something that we're only now waking up to as an industry um, and as a country. And that requires this willingness to treat different people differently, which, you know, is not something that I think we necessarily have embraced as a country and as a society. Um, You know, take patients with, you know, late stage kidney disease. Um, you know, they require more intensive, you know, model to avoid the transition from CKD to dialysis. Um, that may mean that we see them every month in the office instead of every year, or that we go to their home every month instead of every, uh, you know, every six months, whatever it may be. The point is, is we have to kind of titrate the care that we give to the needs of the patient. And that's what it really means. It doesn't mean, you know, we're trying to create inequities and access. It just means we want to titrate the services to match the needs of the, of the patient that we're serving. Absolutely. And I think the first time I heard that phrase was actually in leadership. I know, you know, you lead scan, but with your leaders, I'm sure you coach them and, and treat them differently based on who they are and their leadership style and what's effective. And we have different, it's like a, a basketball coach, right? Do you coach every single player the same? No. So, so good points. Um, and not every team is, and not every coach is right for every team. And that's another part of it, right? <laughs> so so yeah. again, you know, um, not every doctor is for every patient and, and not every delivery model is for every patient. So I think we have to take a more kind of thoughtful customer segmentation approach to serving patients. No, good call. And in my career as well, I haven't, you know, I was in the right company, but I wasn't in the right seat. So uh, really, really good points. So I had the privilege of meeting uh, Michael Hawkman recently. And so I want to shift over to the scan group, which is 
the parent of, or the, is that, is that fair to say the parent of Scan yeah, Health Plan? Yeah, it's the parent, you know, and until recently, Scan Group and Scan Health Plan were synonymous, um, okay. you know, corporate entity. Um, what I would say is what we've done in the, in the past months and years is we've started to actually create new entities that are non-health plan entities. One of them is what you're alluding to is healthcare in action, which is being led by Michael Hockman, you know, who's, um, you know, a tremendous physician leader who's leading our homelessness work. Um, you know, we're building a new uh, homeless medical group that's going to be practicing street-based medicine for, um, you know, patients experiencing homelessness. Yeah. So the term street medicine is also uh, candidly new to me. And I think I would guess most of our audience uh, watching or listening to this uh, this event or this episode, it's new to them as well. But street medicine itself isn't new. So can you walk us through like what street medicine is at a high level and how SCAN is trying to create a sustainable model? Let me, let me backtrack a little bit. I know I'm throwing a few questions at once. So audience, you know, we're all used to, the homeless uh, population, you know, generally there's a lot of don donations, a lot of foundation work to serve that population, and it requires charitable action. But Scan Group is creating healthcare in action, not as a charity, but as a sustainable business. So, again, two questions, Sachin. One nonprofit, sustainable nonprofit. It's not I'm sorry. a yeah. It's important important distinction because. You know, it's an unsavory thing, I think, to try to, you know, make margin on this population. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Thanks sure. for clarifying. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's just okay. So two questions for you. What is street medicine and why it's not new? And then two, how, tell us, walk us through the business model. So, you know, I think everyone in this audience is probably familiar with the movement we have to bring as much primary care to the home. Um, street medicine is an extension of that, which is trying to bring as much primary care as we can to the streets. And, um, you know, I, I think the origins of this really come from the fact that I think we've had a mis, uh, misunderstanding of what homelessness is in this country. I think many people have called it a housing supply problem. And, you know, how you define a problem ultimately influences how you solve the problem. And it is not exclusively a housing supply problem. Uh, it is partially a housing supply problem, but it is also a healthcare problem because many people become homeless because of a healthcare issue, whether it's mental health or addiction related or another chronic disease. And oftentimes what keeps, keeps people uh, experiencing homelessness is actually you know, a chronic, an untreated chronic disease. And um, the primary care home, medical home for most people living on the street is the emergency room. Yep. And so the question is, is how do we actually bring care to the streets? And, you know, I think embedded in your question was this question is how do we do so in a way that is financially sustainable? Yes. And, you know, there's a lot of chatter in this country about value-based care, Gavin. Everyone's talking about value-based care. What we're trying to do is the, I think, highest and purest form of value-based care. What value-based care really looks at is how do we take the total cost of care for a patient, primary care spending, specialty spending, ancillary spending, inpatient spending, um, and manage all of that cost down. And what we believe is that an expensive model of primary care like street medicine, um, which panels 100 to 200 patients to you know, a care team, um, will ultimately keep people out of emergency rooms, which will keep people out of hospital beds and keep people out of the ICUs. Um, uh, 
And so what we're trying to do is do as much medical care as we can on the streets by building trusting relationships with people who are not well suited to be treated in the emergency room. We talk about my accident. I, yeah. This was a, this was probably the most eye-opening part of my accident was being taken by ambulance to the Cedars-Sinai emergency room and, you know, being met by an amazing team there and being cared for by an amazing team there. But then looking around the emergency room and seeing I was just surrounded by a number of folks whose primary care medical home was the emergency room, a number yeah. of folks who were experiencing homelessness, who were getting their care, you know, in, in the ER. The question that we are asking ourselves is if we can actually take full risk on this population of people experiencing homelessness, you know, can we actually manage down their costs? Fewer, you know, ED visits, fewer inpatient stays, fewer ICU stays, all translates into lower cost of care. And if you can do that by actually, you know, intensively serving people on the streets, you have a shot at actually like, you know, reinvesting some of the dollars that were otherwise going into avoidable medical use and hospitalizations yep. and applying it to temporary housing and other things that will actually get people into a better state, you know, overall. That's the bet that we're making. It's a big bet. You know, I, I give our board a ton of credit for authorizing the bet, writing the check for the bet. Um, and it's a, you know, it, it'll be a grand experiment. We're, you know, waiting, waiting with bated breath to see patient number one on, uh, on one, one, maybe one, two. Uh, and Dr. Hockman is, you know, the best person we have uh, to lead it. Awesome. And folks that, uh, that are listening or attending uh, today's event, uh, we actually just released a scan-specific episode that goes into more detail about what uh, Dr. Hockman's medical group is doing. And again, that's Healthcare in Action Medical Group, which is not just for scan patients, right? Like you guys are open for business for all medical groups who have that type of population that you guys probably can best serve, right? That's right. That's right. So we are fundamentally um, uh, trying to operate this as a pair agnostic entity. We've got some anchor partners that are from other health plans. And we are looking to partner with other risk-bearing medical groups to take some of the risk off their books and help them manage their total cost of care. So if you're a listener who is you know, from a you know, California-based medical group or any medical group around the country, that takes risks, risk and wants to kind of, you know, delegate, subdelegate, you know, a population of people experiencing homelessness to, you know, healthcare in action, please reach out to me or Michael Hockman. Um, I, you know, we'd be happy to partner with you to try to do a better job with this population of patients. Awesome. And as you uh, inferred a moment ago, you guys are starting to take patients uh, 2022. So uh, right around the corner here, uh, two months out and folks that are watching two months from now, it will be 2022. Uh, so, Let's shift over as we wrap up uh, today's session with you, Sachin, with your expansion. So Scan Health Plan is uh, nearing a quarter million members. Uh, my mom is one, as I always share with you, uh, you and your team. Um, but you guys are mostly known as that California health plan. So Southern and Northern, by the way. So come 2022, you guys are, uh, tell us about the expansion, I guess, for 2022. Yeah. I mean, look, when you've got a good thing, you want to take it to more places. Um, you almost have an ethical obligation to take it to more places is what I like to say. And um, so we are um, in business in Arizona and Nevada. Um, we are, um, we enrolled our first member on October 1st. It was a uh, very, it was very sweet, very exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, he was an agent, uh, someone who, um, you know, is, is excited to become part of our health plan. Um, we 
um, hope to grow in as many places as we can. I mean, you know, and I, the one thing I'll just say, Medicare Advantage is a hot space. There's a lot of entrance. You know, there are a lot of choices in this space. Oh, yeah. The thing I would say is, um, you know, that sets us apart is we're a nonprofit. And, um, you know, a lot of people see Medicare Advantage and they see dollar signs. We see, you know, Medicare Advantage, we see an opportunity to serve. And there's been a lot of chatter in the policy community about, you know, kind of risk adjustment and, you know, pro, un, you know pro, profit margins at MA. And it's, a, it's something our country is going to have to tackle writ large. But I don't want to forget that there are organizations, you know, like SCAN, there's SCAN that is nonprofit, operating at zero margin, you know, this year um, to be able to better serve, you know, people across all these communities. Awesome. So we have uh, Nevada, Arizona, and California. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in Arizona, and uh, I won't quiz you, but uh, I believe we have Maricopa County and Maricopa County, Pima County, uh, and Pinal County. Uh, okay. And no, Nevada, Clark Nevada, County? Clark County, that's right. Yeah. So for folks who don't know, that's Vegas, basically, the Vegas area. Um, so you're starting in the in the populations where there'll be some density. Well, Arizona, one of those populations is pretty dense. Uh, the others, not as much. But um, so if folks are are looking to, let's say you're moving to Arizona, a lot of Californians are moving out of state. And if they're a SCAN member today, in theory, they can roll over. If they're moving to Vegas or moving to Tucson or, or Phoenix, they can move right over. Why did you choose those markets? Um, those are some markets where there are a lot of people, you know, older adults. Um, I think there's lots of opportunities to improve care uh, in those markets. Uh, and there's, we had some great willing provider group partners um, that um, wanted to work with us to try to improve the experience of aging in, in, those, in those communities. So, I mean, that's, that's, what it, that's what really drove our decision-making. Awesome. Well, Sachin, as we wrap up, you wear many hats or, yeah, I mean, you wear many hats. I know uh, you wear a tennis hat. I know you wear a Forbes contributor hat. Are there other hats you wear besides those and uh, leading scan? Are you involved in some other uh, big committees that we should know yeah, about? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm you a, you know, I'm a national board member for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, and, you know, I've been really proud to do that for a number of years. Um, I've been, uh, you know, I'm a board member for, for you, know, you know, I'm a formal board member or, or an advisory board member for a number of other healthcare companies that are trying to make a difference in healthcare. Um, I'm an adjunct professor at Stanford, uh, you know, teach and mentor some students there. Uh, so just trying to make a difference a few different ways. That's a lot of different ways. How do you find time for yourself, for family? I mean, that's tough. You know, uh, I do the best that I can. You know, that's all I can say about it. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're all we're all still just figuring it out. Awesome. Well, appreciate you with all those hats and all the commitments that you have, Sachin, for making time for us today. Um, if folks want to keep tabs on you, what's the best way to do so? Is it LinkedIn? Is there another place they can keep up? LinkedIn, on Twitter, you know, where, wherever you like. I'm, I'm on there. So Awesome. Well, folks, again, uh, Sachin Jane has been our guest. He leads the SCAN Group and SCAN Health Plan. Appreciate you joining us today. Honor to be here. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.